And while they go, we're going to go ahead and we're going to pray, and then we'll get uh, into God's word. Uh, Father God, we thank you for this morning, a chance to worship you, to uh, feel those dead bones come to life, and just the the gathering of people, the the songs of joy that we sing of of, uh, your hope in a world that is all too often lacking hope. Father, uh, this morning we give you thanks and praise for your creation, for the way you surround us in your love and care, for even the reminders that the scriptures give us about the snow and how you cover our sins, uh, though they are scarlet like white snow. May you be glorified this morning. We pray, Father, that if we open your word, you would be our teacher. You, You promised that in the days to come, your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, and that no man would need to teach. We would be able to learn in our hearts from you. And so I ask this morning that you would be our teacher in that way, and you would um, help us to um, understand the word and apply it to our lives in a way that's glorifying to you. Ultimately, Father, we want to glorify you with our life. So help us to do that work. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all. So we're in the second week of a, a new series. It's going to be a four-week series, I believe, called... Uh, um, to tell the truth, it's something that I wanted to look at as we get into 2022 with some basic of discipleship or some fundamental building blocks in our lives as disciples. The idea that in this series that we ought to tell the truth might seem obvious, but I think in a culture that we all live in, it can be difficult at times uh, to really have an awareness of the way that we're being deceived or perhaps the way we are deceiving others or even ourselves. And so uh, we're going to spend some time talking about this from a scriptural perspective. Last week, you'll recall that I laid this kind of super obvious thing that there is a liar who seeks to deceive. Like, and I only say that because there's lots of people today that would claim to know Jesus Christ, but don't think that anyone is trying to deceive them. There's no war to be had. And so we talked about that from Scripture last week, how uh, that the devil should be exposed as a liar, that he is, and that's all he does is lie. That's all he does is lie. This week we're going to talk about our own need to stop lying ourselves, and then uh, our call to speak the truth in love and next week, and then the final week, God is the ultimate truth teller. I don't know if you've ever known anybody who has little, I don't know if you're attentive to these things, little kind of quirks and stuff, but I had a friend of mine, and whenever he, he would talk to you all the time, right, just chat, 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 but then whenever he got serious, he would say, well, I'm not going to lie, and he would tell you something, right? It was his habit. Now, I don't think, that, I'm not reading too much into it, but after a while of knowing this person, I started to think, are you lying all the rest of the time? <laughs> like, if you have to say to me, I'm not going to lie, Bill, X, Y, Z, does that mean every other time I ask you something, you have a tendency to lie? I'm not so sure that that is the case, but it was a, a, a tick or a tell that made me wonder about his honesty. It made me think about my own. Am I speaking the truth as well? Um, thinking about, uh, you know, I said last week something pretty radical that, um, that uh, Jesus said that we were born in deception, right, to the folks who were coming to believe in him. I think it's a pretty radical concept that he said to them, you, you, you were born into deception, and that's all you've ever known. But I was thinking this week about our tendency to tell lies, and I was, you know, the old uh, cliche you can see is all the time about kids who lie to their parents, you know? You think about teenagers lying to their parents, but the funny thing is it starts way before teenage years, and uh, I'm gonna uh, tell a little story from my own family. A thing that comes to mind all the time, there's two stories. Um, both involving Nathan, unfortunately, for you, Nathan. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the second one I'll tell first is that uh, we came into, I was out in the backyard mowing grass, and my wife, uh, Chris, runs out, and she's like, oh, my gosh, something crazy, you know, whatever. And he had um, the baby powder thing, 
in John's uh, changing table and just poofed it until everything was covered. And then he's like, I don't know. <laughs> he thought it was cool, but I don't know. But, but the one that was even more profound, and this is so cliche, because almost every, this is what I'm saying, it's not Nathan, almost every kid does it, right, is um, we had these Hershey Kisses on the dining room table, and you know, you're supposed to have one, you know, it's for guests and stuff, and we went to eat them, and they were disgusting. Uh, they were like foil bits of goo, you know, and we're like, what happened to these Hershey Kisses. We thought maybe they had melted somehow or something, and Nathan came in, and he just got chocolate, and he's like, I, I don't know. And what he had done is he had sucked the chocolate out of the foil and then put the foil back in the dish, because who's going to know? Who's going to know? And then he was on top of the table. He was a little bitty dude, and he, I don't know. What? It's a mystery what happened here. I always say it not to throw him under the bus because we've all done that, right? We see it. We think it's cute. We're like, oh, my gosh. And then we'll, as parents, we'll kind of go, really? Mm, you don't know what happened here? And some parents might be super serious and say, don't lie to me. But, you know, it's kind of cute, right? I wonder, when is it okay to lie? And do you always have to tell the truth? Is that what we're supposed to do? See, I think even as adults, we have a tendency to go, well, some lies are okay, right? Like, if, if it hurts my feelings, we'll just lie about it, you know. Um, we, we act like there's a kind of a continuum of truth-telling, and we can kind of pick our spots to tell the truth. Last week, we uh, ended on uh, the Gospel of John, especially where we started as well. And this uh, verse I wanted to share with you as an anchor for this week to getting started where we were. This is exactly what I just shared with you. To the Jews who had believed in him or were coming to believe in him, Jesus said, now listen to this. If you hold to my teaching, you are really or truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, right? We, t- we closed with that last week, this idea of being free in Christ. But I want you to see that it, he says something in the middle there. There's an if statement. If you hold to my teachings, you'll be free. He said that to those who are coming to believe in him, who have started to understand he is who he says he is and are beginning to shape their life like Jesus, after Jesus, and he says to those, if, if you hold to my teachings, though, then you are my disciples and the truth will set you free. You see, it seems that our obedience to Jesus leads to freedom, And it might not be obvious that that's the case, but that's the case he's making, that obedience to Jesus and the the things that he commands and the things that he teaches actually leads us to become free. So the the first thing I do want to say from Scripture is, and this is from Jesus' mouth, we're going to turn there, that we are ordered not to lie. The word in the Bible is commanded not to lie. And, and it's funny because there's no caveat on it. It's not like, well, sometimes, or, but it's a direct statement that we ought not to lie. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, and we're going to read verses 16 through 19. Now, this is a story you'll know well, but I want you to see what happens in the middle of the story that we often will just cruise right by because of the bigger story that's being told. Matthew 19, 16. Now, a man came up to Jesus, and he asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get or gain eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. But if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. 
right? So Jesus is being asked, now, how do I get eternal life? If you want eternal life, just obey the commandments. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied this way. Now listen to his words. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father, father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Now I know in the story you go, the rest of the story about him, he's done all these things, but I want to stop and point out the fact that when Jesus is asked, what do I do to get eternal life, he says, you have to obey the commands. And when asked which commands, he goes through the list. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honor your father and mother. The funny thing about the things that Jesus quotes, and he also says, love your neighbors yourself, we're going to come to that, is that they're directly from the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, Right? There's actually five of the 10 listed here. Now, what Jesus leaves out here might be telling. He leaves out the ones about a false gods and worshiping God alone, the God stuff, keeping the Sabbath. He leaves those out. He actually goes right to the, man, ten, the, the man-made sin, the tendency that men have to sin against one another. So he kind of goes to the one another sins of the, uh, of the commandments. And he lists those, and then he actually inverts and puts honor your father and mother last when it's actually the fifth commandment in the Old Testament before the ones that Jesus lists. But in the middle of this list, and the point for today is that he says that you ought not to bear false witness. Oh, by the way, the other one he leaves off is thou shalt not covet. I don't know why, except that the man has an issue in his heart about the things that he owns. But he, but he covers this, and then he says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. Let me make sure I'm getting this right. 16, 19, yeah. And, and that actually comes from the Levitical law, which is found in Leviticus, right? And so we're going to talk about that in a minute as well. But the first thing I want you to know here is that when Jesus gives this command of what this young man is to do, he doesn't make an exception or a clause, an escape clause for it. Now, one of the ways that I, and I'm going to confess this this morning, one of the ways I've read this in the past is that Jesus lists out the commandments, and then the guy says, I've done all these things, and then Jesus says, well, there's one thing you lack, and I kind of leave all that stuff behind. And I've often said, as if he's done those things. But I also think it's not fair to look at something Jesus says and assume that it ought not be done. Whenever he lists his old, uh, the uh, Old Testament commandments here, he expects that followers of his ought to be obedient in these ways. These things ought to, we ought not to murder. And you go, that's kind of obvious, right? But, um, and we ought not to steal. Well, is that obvious? Yes, that's obvious, right? But then it gets down to bearing false witness. And that one, it seems that we're kind of like, well, maybe, Sometimes we have a tendency to lean so much on the side that Jesus brings grace, and he does, that he brings freedom, and he does, that we act like we ought not to even concern ourselves with the things that Jesus says are required, and we're going to unpack that a bit. And so he covers both the commandments of God and the Levitical law in this succinct statement to this person. When he talks about not bearing false witness, the word is the same as lying, it's pseudo, and I told you that last week, that the core word in the Greek for lie is pseudo, right? So a pseudonym, or um, I don't know what else pseudos there are, but like an, a fake thing, it's not real, it's not honest. But the second part of the word is mart- martyr, martyr, or mart- martros in the Greek, and it's a pseudo-martyr. It means to deceive someone by your, by your presentation, by what you say or what you do or how you behave it's literally to bear false witness 
or to give false testimony. Now, what's strange about saying giving false testimony is then immediately I go to like a legal mindset, like, oh, you're in court, you're bearing, you know, you hold your right hand, you swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God, right? But it's, it's not for a courtroom alone, but it's for our entire lives that he says we ought not to pseudo-martes, we ought not to uh, um, falsely testify or um, falsely witness to other people. That means we ought not to say things that are dishonest. Uh, it's, it, this lying, it's deceit, it's falsehood, and it's anything that's untrue manifests in and through our lives we ought not to do. And I, want, I only spent time there because I want you to see that what Jesus, the question that he's answering is, what must we do to inherit eternal life? Now, again, we have a tendency to go, well, believe in Jesus and you will inherit eternal life. And that is true. But he's like, these are the things that you ought to do. They ought to be manifestations in this life of our eternal destination. It's no small thing that he's speaking to what was required of eternal life, and this is a very big deal. As a matter of fact, the way Jesus answers here is he says, if you want to enter, you must keep the commandments. So there's a thing there that we often will kind of dance around, but that's what uh, Jesus is sharing out of the book of Exodus, chapter 20, 16, is where this command is found. And it says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. It's the ninth commandment. And, and I looked it up in the Hebrew now, and I'm more familiar with Greek than Hebrew, but I looked it up because I want to understand what it meant in the Hebrew to give a false testimony or a false witness against your neighbor. And it means to be a deceiver, to speak falsehood, to share an untruth, or, and this is kind of funny, a sham have you ever heard someone say, well, that's a sham. That's like a funny word, isn't it, when you think about it? But it literally means deception. It's not authentic. It's not true. It's not real. It's not right. And then the same thing is to be a witness or a recorder, to testimonially answer to someone, to give a response in casual conversation, to testify or just simply to speak. That in all these ways, and how we present, and we're going to unpack this, we can be deceiving others and therefore breaking God's commands. Now, I told you that the five he lists are the sins against man. And this is one of them that we would falsely present. This is a huge thing. So then going to Leviticus 19.11, this is how it reads, do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. And there you have it again, don't lie, the things you say, and don't, uh, don't um, give false testimony or deceive each other by your behavior or your, your choices. And so the Levitical law is included, the... Um, uh, the commandments are included, and it's all wrapped up in Jesus' answer of what must we do to have eternal life. Now, I want to share with you, lest you think I'm making too much of this, because it doesn't it seem, and maybe this is the argument I'm making here in this whole to tell the truth thing, and I've said to you before, if no one else is willing to speak the truth, we should be the ones speaking the truth, right? And we're going to unpack that a little bit, but how big of a deal is it really to lie? How big of a deal? And I only ask it because it seems so, we're so nonchalant in our lives about it. 
well, that's okay, or even isn't that cute, right? Um, or what would you do? Well, you're not going to tell the truth, are you? In, in Proverbs chapter 6, um, this is what God says, 16 through 19. There are six things that Yahweh hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush to evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Now, I don't know if that verse gives you pause or not, but anytime I find the verse that says things that God hates, things that God finds detestable, I go, oh, this is going to be something. And again, you have mixed in here twice, or if not three times, that God hates or is detestable, finds detestable a lying tongue, the things that we say that are not true. And it would be true for any person, by the way, that he's made, that he doesn't like us speaking untruths. And then in verse 19, um, a false witness who pours out lies, there it is again, right? the martaos, the, the martyr, the, the one who's bearing a witness in a, a false way, a pseudo-witness, and a person who stirs up dissension among brothers, right? So th this is going to tie in later that often our lies lead to distension or dis dis um, fighting, but also often our fighting leads us to lie. We're going to talk about that. And so this is a serious issue that God gives to us. Now, why would I belabor the point so much other than that I don't think we think it's all that serious, and this includes me, by the way. So I gave you the example earlier of um, lying to your parents, right? I don't know if you remember a time that you lied to your parents. I remember many times I lied to my parents. I'm not saying that in a proud way, but I'm saying I did it. I thought I'd get away with it. I often didn't get away with it. And it starts when you're very little, and it kind of continues as you go. So we have this kind of candy jar lying. It's like, well, what's the harm? It's, you know, it's kind of almost cute. It really is. But it's the birth of a big problem in our lives. There's the idea that later on in our life, we can continue to lie to one another, and it could be posturing. It could be pretending to be someone you're not. And this often will happen in adolescence. You're trying to fit in. You're trying to like wear the right clothes, do the right things, and you present yourself in a way that's inauthentic. You don't even know who you are sometimes. I shared this with you before, but I remember often when I would get together with my cousins or my family or my friends, I would behave in ways that were dishonest. And fair enough, you know, young people, what else are you going to do? But it's a deception. It's not being truthful. And so we have this kind of posturing line that we often will do. And it continues into adulthood for many people, right? That, um, that we just pretend to be better than we are. I don't mean better than we are like higher, but better like, I'm fine. I got this, you know? Whenever maybe we don't have it at all. But then the last one I want to talk about, and I think that right now we wrestle so much with this, is um, this kind of um, uh, partial lie. Uh, lying to defeat others, lying to win an argument or a position. And this is, happens usually into adulthood, right? Because you tell part of the truth, but not all of the truth. 
You, you, you tell um, a part of the truth, but you won't acknowledge the other side's truth. You won't say, and so what it turns into is this is a math equation, one half the truth plus one half the lie equals all the lies. There's no truth. You go, there's a little bit. Yeah, but you're not being honest. And much of the things that's happening right now, I'm afraid, to us as humans, as, and more importantly, as followers of Christ, is we're getting sucked into conversations that are dishonest conversations. We're not telling the truth. Some examples of how I see this working itself out is, first of all, in the algorithms that we function in. It's crazy right now, but we live in a culture that's driven by algorithms, math equations. And the stuff is literally written in a way to drive you into what I would call a cultural cul-de-sac, <laughs> where everyone's house looks like yours, and all of the neighbor's yards look like yours, and they have about the same number. And you live there, and you're like, this is what the whole world is like. They're like my cul-de-sac as if there's not a huge, big world out there with many, many other neighborhoods that exist. We're driven there by algorithms, we're driven there by um, cultural cul-de-sacs, and we're driven there by echo chambers that we get into these places where we can no longer see the truth because we're so caught up in the, in the deception of our time. When I was uh, prepping this series to tell the truth, I had people say, man, I'm so excited. I love people just tell the truth. They tell it like it is, you know? And I'm like, yeah, me too. And then we started having conversations about people who are saying things that may not be 100% true. And I'm like, now, wait a minute. That's not really true, is it? Like, is it the people that agree with me are telling the truth? Or is it there's, it is a truth to be told and, and I ought to be listening for it, sharing in it when I can, Inviting, and here's going to be the point of it, inviting God into the conversations. Because we ought not be sucked in by computer algorithms or by cultural comforts or by our own echo chambers, but we ought to be listening to God. The problem is that we get into a situation where we'll do whatever it takes to win. But the problem is the minute the victory is won, we realize that everyone's lost because we've failed to be honest. You know, the Bible says that um, we will be held accountable for every uh, thoughtless word that we shared. Every thoughtless word that we spoke. Now, I don't mean to say that if you believe in Christ, you're not going to be with him for every eternity. You will be. But the question is that as believers in Christ, do we function as truth telling people? Do we have a fundamental conviction that the big rock in our life is we're going to be beholden to the truth? And that sometimes that means we don't know all the things and we're going to have to listen to others and have conversations that are uncomfortable to get out of the algorithm and off the cul-de-sac and break free of the echo chamber that always agrees with us. I wonder in your life, have you ever spread half-truths? Whether you meant to or not, have you ever sent something or said something and then found out later it wasn't true? I'll confess to you today that... Um, I have all too often done it, and I hate it. I think it's true, and I say, this is true, and then I find out, no, it wasn't true. I was deceived, and that's not the problem. The problem is I participated in sharing the deception. Well, then the question becomes, so if you want to be a truth teller, why is it so hard to tell the truth? Why? What is so hard about telling the truth? Or what is our motivation when we lie? I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew 15, a few chapters before where Jesus shared that with that uh, young ruler. Chapter 15, 
and um, verses 18 through 20. Jesus says this, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and those make a person unclean. Because out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are what makes a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Again, this is the time that Jesus is teaching some teaching the law about religious practices, right? But I want you to see in the middle of his conversation what he says is important. He says this, it is the things that comes out of a person's mouth, evil thoughts, false testimony that make us unclean. And the word there, unclean, means it defiles us. In other words, it's beneath us, that we ought not to be dirtied by it, but because of things that we store up in our hearts, right, the things that we have in our minds and they, in our hearts, and then we speak them into the world because it's our own evil desires. What he's saying is the motivation when we're lying is a heart motivation. It's a heart issue. Now, Jesus is teaching here, and he's like, it doesn't, if you pick up food and with your dirty hands, you eat it, that's not making you unclean by what you're putting in, but it's coming out. But I do wonder, is it the things that we're putting in that aren't food going to our mind and our heart and causing the lies to come out? Is it the things that we're beholden to more than Christ, more than Jesus, more than the gospel, more than being a truth teller that then get into our minds and corrupt them in a way that corrupts our hearts and we act out and we think we are right but we're wrong, and we're lying when we think we're speaking truth. So I wonder, what do you fill your heart and mind with? What are you feeding on? And I don't mean literal food. You'll remember that uh, later in Matthew, Jesus accuses religious people of being whitewashed tombs. And when he says that, he says what? Because all the outer trappings look good, but inside it's black, it's dark. And that's what comes out. You can find this teaching over and over again in Scripture from Jesus. That are the things that we store in our hearts that come out, and in this case in Matthew 15 says, create the lies, the false testimony, because of our own evil thoughts. So here's the heart issue that we have. And I wonder, and this is often the case for me, maybe you're different, that it's when you see the things coming out, you wonder where did that come from? Why was that in me? What's going on in my heart that I'm driven to not tell the truth, to lie? We know the command says you ought not to lie, but then you see it in real time and you wonder, what do you find that comes out of your heart and therefore your mouth the most often? See, I don't wanna leave us there as if we're condemned to be liars, because we are not. But it's an awareness of what is happening that brings the opportunity for Christ to save us, to, to rule in our hearts again, to be Lord in our life, to submit to him in the moment that we find ourselves being deceptive. There's a tragedy to be had amongst Christians where we try to deceive others, and sometimes, if we're really good at it, we even deceive ourselves. Honesty is a heart issue. Lying is a heart issue. 
stunning part of Scripture comes in uh, Acts chapter 5. And this, again, is a story you know, but I just want to share a portion of the story. Um, This is Ananias and Sapphira. And um, let's see, chapter 5, verse, um, where are we at here? 3 and 4. This is Peter. Uh, That's Luke. Let me get the Acts. (laughs) Okay, one more time. Chapter 5, not chapter 3. Here we go, 3 and 4. Listen to this. Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money that you received in the land? Did it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, was the money not at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? Listen to this line. You have not lied to men, but to God. Now, we, we know the story of Ananias and Sapphira, but I want to show you something here that comes from the text that Satan had so filled the heart of Ananias and Sapphira that they would not only deceive themselves, or not only deceive their brothers and sisters, but they would attempt to deceive God. That that Satan had so filled their hearts that they thought that they could be dishonest before God and get away with it. And Peter calls them out. You have not lied to men, but you've lied to God. You've been bearing a false witness to God. And so I I think that's a radical passage because it's like, well, I wouldn't often think about lying, little white lie, right? Who's going to hurt? Being the beginning of Satan filling my heart in a way that could be so tragic that it would cause me to try to deceive God and it might even cost me my life, which is what happens with Ananias and Sapphira, that it cost them everything because they were lying. So what is stored up in your heart? Um, Do we find ourselves becoming more truthful all the time or more deceptive. The very um, last book of the Bible, this is the funny thing about, uh, I said, you know, we can read that passage in in Matthew 18 about, oh, look, he was, uh, you know, he thought he had it all. Um, And Jesus, you know, takes away our sins. And so we all not worry about it. You know, it's, it's, he's, if you lie or, you know, you're forgiven. Um, Revelation chapter 12, verse 8, this issue is raised again in a profound way. Well, maybe. Let's see, 12, 8. Is what I'm having my notes, but let me see what I got here. Maybe 12, 18. Well, I have the reference wrong, but I have it here. It says this. Maybe it's 2. I'm going to look real quick because I, I, I wanted to, uh... nope, okay. I don't know what I did there in my notes, but this is what the word says. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. 
going to look one more place because I want you to know. I mean, I know you believe me that it's in there and we can find it. But I think what I have is a typo. Uh, maybe 22. Nope. <laughs> I'll have to find it later. But, um, but in the middle of that list, the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, idolaters, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it says three words there, and all liars will be consigned to the fiery uh, lake of burning sulfur. And that's heavy. And he says this, that is the second death. That, that in this place where you have been so deceived and so deceiving, you will end up paying for it, not with your life, like Ananias and Sapphira, but for eternity in hell. The fiery lake of burning sulfur. That's how serious this issue is. This, and, and that's why we can't just go, well, you know, yes, it's, it's solved. Because God, remember we said in the Old Testament, hates a lying tongue, a deceiver. He, uh, he's disgusted or detests. And so um, what's the hope here, right? Well, if you, if you look at James chapter 1, verse 18, and this was shared with me the very first week in the series by uh, Steve, he he said, check this out. This is what the word says. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits to all he created. Who? The heavenly father, 18 says, chose to give us birth through the word of truth. That's this idea of we've come to um, be truth tellers. He in his infinite grace has chosen to give birth to us who believe through the word of truth, right? And so in other words, as much as we are born into sin and we are born into deceit, we are not reborn in Christ to be deceivers. It's, it's our coming of age to grow in maturity and not lie, or maybe say it like this, to lie less. We are born again through truth to be truth tellers ourselves. And this is Christ's gift to us. That we might, and what did he say in Matthew? Know the truth and the truth set us free. If we're his disciples and obey his commands. It's a lot. But I wonder then today, as followers of Christ, will we choose to tell the truth or to lie. In the middle of a heated conversation, in the middle of our own deception, in the middle of our own confusion, will we choose to be honest in that moment before our Heavenly Father, honest with Him and honest with others, or will we choose in that moment to be dishonest and to lie? Final verse here this morning is from Colossians 3, 9 and 10. This is the exhortation to the church. Do not lie to one another, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Listen to the word, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. 
So we're, we're encouraged here to take off, and this is written, I'll remind you, to the church in Colossae, do not lie to each other. That means that they must have been having a tendency to lie and still wearing their old clothes, but rather old practices, and put on the new self that's being renewed each day in Christ. Here is the opportunity that we have each day. So will we do that? Will we put on Christ? Will we recognize our old ways of deception are broken and wrong and wear new clothes? That's the hope that we would live into, live up to, live through Jesus Christ, the ultimate truth teller. I wonder then, and I think most of you here do know the truth of Jesus, right? that Jesus died for your sins, so you can be free forever from them, right? You can spend eternity with him. That's the gift. But do you know that there's a discipleship with Christ <laughs> that we are called out of an old life and into a new? Not for salvation, the word says this, but in order that we might glorify the Father in heaven. The call to be honest, the call to be truth tellers, I say it all the time, if no one else is willing to tell the truth, we should be. Pray with me if you would. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for a chance to be gathered together as your people, and we confess that too often we are deceived, and we are often deceiving. Lord, it's not, and I pray, it's not an intentional deception, but rather a condition of our hearts. And so this morning, I'm gonna ask, Lord, that you would make us aware, and in the days to come, of the areas that we are not being honest, whether that's with ourselves, with our friends and family, with our neighbors, our coworkers, wherever it is, and that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, not through our striving, would compel us to live honest lives, to be truth tellers. And Lord, not for this life alone, but for the eternity we're gonna spend with you where all truth is known, where you are all in all and through all. And so, Father, for the work you're gonna do in our lives, we give you thanks and praise. We ask that you would do it in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.